0: passage here from the fifth chapter and i will read if you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied do not be surprised at such things for one official is eyed by a higher one and over them both are other hires still the increase from the land is taken by all the king himself profits from the fields whoever loves money never has money enough whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income this too is meaningless As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats a little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son there is nothing left for him. Naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. This, too, is a grievous evil. As a man comes, so he departs, and what does he gain since he toils for the wind? All all his days he eats in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him, for this is his lot." Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions, enables him to enjoy them to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied occupied with gladness of heart. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. A Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all. Um, I've been gone for a little bit. Went to St. Louis for the Christmas time. And... Uh, it was the first time in our nine-year marriage that we've been to Kelly's hometown for Christmas. And uh, it was a lot of fun being in St. Louis. I spent four years there when I was in seminary. And um, I know some of the thoughts we have when we come back after Christmas. And um, among those thoughts, and we kind of talked about this this morning in the uh, in the confession of sin thing... Um, Money, money. We're real stressed about money right now. Most of us, many of us, partly because of Christmas time. Um, we're going to begin an eight—I mean, a four-week series on giving and money in the church. And because I know, as soon as I mention money, and I've done it with a couple of you, just to test it to see whether it works, we're going to do a money series. Oh no! Oh man! And 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 church and giving, uh, some of y'all are ready to uh, to jump ship to the next lifeboat. But realize this: when you get to that lifeboat, I would have already been there waiting for you, because uh, I, I don't like talking about money and, and giving. And uh, so when we begin this uh, this topic in Ecclesiastes, a wisdom book, um, which which oddly enough does not tell us how much or how we should actually give. Um, I'm going to let you know that this is a journey you and I are going on together. This book does something else besides give us the, you know, the, the right steps to giving and, and right steps to handling our money. It, 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 it actually gives us a candid look at the state of things. In some places it Ecclesiastes, some sounds like the, the grumpy, life worn old man dashing our young monetary ambitions on the rocks. But it is this wisdom, since it is the word of God, um, that leads, and I'm going to say this, this stuff actually frustrates us towards needing God's help in Jesus. And now let me reemphasize money stuff is not my forte or my joy so we, we are on this deconstructive and, and reconstructive journey together so this text I believe will will help us better understand why we all like money like to have some more but hate talking about it or, or, or letting it talk about you. You see, I know from what we will and have seen in God's Word that, that money uh, tells us a lot about ourselves. It, 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 because of its revelatory nature, the, the way money brings, brings out the good and bad within us, the way it challenges our values, the way it pulls on our varying beings, I will say this, all money in the way we spend it is blood money. Because its use and place in our world and lives, it sells us out. Our use of money, it rats on us. It reveals who we individually and corporately and socially, who we really are and who we really trust and worship. It's blood money. I, uh, with this particular text, I'm going to have to say, and it's going to sound kind of hard, and it's going to sound kind of harsh. When we talk about money and people and I work and, and worth and 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 hopefully this sermon's being recorded because this is a series about money and, and this sermon kind of fits into the whole thing and and if you listen to just part of any of these sermons you might think I am either a right wing capitalist free market fanatic or at other times a communist but my hope is regardless of what you think about me that you will believe Jesus in all these money things. That, that Jesus is the one who, who, who you need to rest and, and run to. Because believe it or not, like it or not, the world in which we live, what we'll first see here, is that money in this world is used to determine how valuable you are. Your very worth. The writer hits us almost with a a cynical line here in verse 8 of chapter 5. If you see the poor oppressed in in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one, officials eyed by a higher one, and over them both, uh, over them both are others higher still. The increase in the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. It is like he's saying, "Come on, man! You, it is clear that your value and and your worth is determined by how much money you make." And and I would add this observation: sometimes the money you make is determined by your value in the society. That's the idea that the king is at the top of this pyramid, even though he's the furthest from doing the work in the fields. And the writer is basically is saying that basic dignity items like, like justice and rights and, are denied wrongly to those who don't have as much money. Why? Because they are not as valuable as those who have more than them. There is this oppression, this weight on people because there is someone above them who is considered better and in most cases it's a higher pay scale. We used to have this, um, well not we, it happened to me because I don't play these games. But when I got to Clemson, the band, they had this game. They would say banana. And then someone would say banana who? Then they'd say banana Howard. And then they would grab your trumpet and take it from you. And I'm like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, as many people who heard banana would come and pile on top of you. This big, giant, I mean, I was on the very bottom. I don't know why they wanted a banana, banana me. Do y'all? Can y'all figure? I'm not pretty. Enough. I was talking or something. I, I don't know what happened. But it's this, this thing where they push one person on the ground and it, boom, boom, boom. And all the upperclassmen pile on top of you and you're at the bottom. And it's like, hey, man, you're in. Yeah, right. But in our society, there is a banana of all those who make less. And oppression, oppression, and oppression of one on top of the other. Because the one on the very bottom is the freshman. The one on the very bottom is the one who doesn't make as much. Now let's be honest here, because I'm not a proponent, of course, for injustice to the poor, but look at your paycheck. Ecclesiastes is saying in this fallen world, That's your value to the community and to your world. To the company you work for. Uh, And I can't tell since I don't know what you make or I don't know what you're going to for your services to someone like you and I don't know how good you are whether that's a fair or unfair wage. But here is something hard to hear but true. Money is an outer working. A product of your person. It comes from the use of your personally most valuable resource. It is You. It comes from, I mean, look at the zeros on that check, or the lack of zeros on that check. That's you. That's your dignity. That's your honor. That's your blood. That's your sweat and labor and school and student loans in the amount line. It can be depressing. Or liberating. But that, the smallest box on the check all the way to the right, y'all know what I'm talking about. That's you. That's what you do. That's your effort. That's what your physical body is reduced or, or worth, at least in the minds of someone else above you. And again, if you don't believe this is true, like the writer of this book has done, I mean, take a step back without the frills of some happy-go-lucky Rocky Six, oh, child, things are going to get a little brighter facade. And you will see in great despair what the writer saw after he took the blinders off. People are treated according to their worth. In an economic society, that treatment is based, that worth is based on how much they make or valuable to those who make the money. The poorer you are, the worse you'll be treated. If you don't believe me, apart from some revitalization plan for the coming gentrification or the appeasement of some government promised program quota or money that must be spent, look at the Walmart on Central Avenue, Mm y'all. And then go to the one on Sardis Road. Now, you know, okay, given that that one on Sardis Road is a little newer, but apart from the newness of it, I see something old be treated better than the one on Wall on Central Avenue. I mean, it is the most ridiculous setup I've ever seen, and I look at it, and the folk who live close to the city, the, those gentrifiers of us, we go to Target. Why? Because we don't want to be treated like that. And the folk who can't afford to drive all the way down to Target, who can walk in distance, that's what you get. Why in my neighborhood, one of the fragile ones in Charlotte, does it take 20 minutes while when I lived in the wealthier area, it took less for the police to get there? I mean, my taxes pay for the police too. You know, I heard the song by Public Enemy a while back, back 9 one a joke, and I thought it was a real funny, kind of surreal song because I was listening to it while I'm living in my hip-hop culture and the safety of my one-digit address, suburban existence, and now it is a grim reality in the ghetto. 9 they'll be there in 20 or 30 minutes, sir. I didn't order a pizza. Someone's shooting a gun outside. Be there in 30 minutes, sir. And you know what's funny? If you are privileged and don't like to look at this stuff, and this is why I'm just going to dig some stuff up. This sermon is designed to frustrate you a little bit and make you go and think, man, if I'm not like that, yeah, you are a little bit. Okay, everybody needs to be frustrated. And if you are privileged, you let stuff come out your mouth like, well, those poor folk don't know how to care for money. You know, or those folk, why they got those 40 inch flat screen TVs and cable? And, and so they, they are getting what they deserve. They're alive, they're poor because of bad decisions and such. They don't, they, the reason they don't get 911 showing up is because they, 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 they hadn't done the right things I've done. Don't get so haughty. The only thing, here's the the, 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 the kind of balancing reality of it. The only thing that separates you from them, your value from them, has more to do with the zeros on your page or on your husband's paycheck than your core dignity or better choices. Sometimes it ain't because, contrary to Christian right-wing conservative thinking, that you are closer to God. Because you are closer to being able to afford to be on the right side of town. Some of us believe God lives south of the city. And he's kind of moving back in slowly. That's why Georgia and I, Pastor Georgia and I don't want to know how much you give. We don't know. We don't count the money. We don't have a so-and-so's name. Woo! They gave that much. We don't want to know, because man, I might treat you better if you give a lot. I mean, come on, humanly, it's hard, I mean. Don't you know that the closest friends and the pastors and are the decision making people the folk with the money? Come on, you know how church works. Someone I'm going to give a big check, they can make some big decisions. I mean, I've, I've, I was a, close to a church in Atlanta, and they look at your social security number, and it determines how much you give, by how much you tithe or whatever, and it determines what level pastor you get at your funeral or at your wedding. If you give this level, you get the senior pastor. If you get at this level, you get the intern. The writer is saying, clean and clearly, in this world, in this fallen world, it seems like money talks and everything else walks. Justice, rightness, class. I mean, that's the initial but sad observation of this text. here, And that's why we don't like talking about money in the church and with friends. And why I don't want y'all looking at my bank account or asking or some of you don't want to ask for help because guess what i don't want to ask you for help and you have to look at my because you might devalue me when you see how much is in my ledger or i might have to face the clear facts of my own worth because the zeros behind those numbers just don't lie let me come behind it and say that it is true from what we learn about creation, your, your created worth comes out in your production. Value worth does in, the, does, the, the way we equal money, the, the way we're created and then the stuff we produce, it produces goods and that produces money. In other words, you don't get something for nothing. You get something from someone and that something is valuable only because someone produced it. Blood, money, your blood for the money, your body, mind, and for some, like the king, your presence in the corner office for the money. Now the oppression talked about here is has diseased the rightness in this concept that I don't believe socialism is going to answer. So put your red bound books back on the shelf and let's keep the Bible open for just a minute. Let's give this wise man talking. By inspiration of a higher power. Let's, let's give them a little chance here. And if we do, we'll give God a, a chance to give us some answers and maybe some hope. Because C- the next thing the writer observes brings light to the earlier mentioned oppression. Look with me at verse uh, 11. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? Now the writer's getting to the idea of goods, the idea of stuff, and their heart value to the person who used their body, who used their influence, who used their very blood to get the money, to get that thing that that, the eyes see that they want so badly. And he says, the goods to consume, to, to feast their eyes upon it, because there is no end to the production of things and new things. There is always... Let me see There is always something out there for you to buy. And there's even more stuff out there for you to want. I'm telling you, if you think there ain't nothing I want, trust me, the next infomercial is for you. Because there's always, he's saying, there's always stuff being made. There's always little gadgets. The one little thing, it could be the one little hook that holds up that, that shelf in your room that falls down. And it's yours right now for $9.95. And you think if I get the little hook, oh, man, life is going to be sweet. You know, that thing that chops up the apples. Man, I get tired of chopping up the kids' apples for their lunch. You know, that thing, that thing, that, oh, man. If I get the whom, I can spend more time with my wife and my kids and I'll be a better man, you know, all that stuff. Now, this may not be immediately obvious at, 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 at first reading, but Jesus talked about this idea of the eye and the heart. See, there's this idea in antiquity that the eyes were the windows of the soul. Kind of like a two-way mirror. We can look at the reflection in your eyes and see what your heart is taking in. What it wants to take in. The writer here says, feast upon. The stuff you look for, long for, window shop for, and then allow to pay for, if if you got the money to glare upon, is the thing you value. It is what your heart really wants. But it isn't that simple. Because the heart can't eat stuff. Your soul can't eat physical stuff. So the value of that thing is actually feeding this emotional reality and an unmet emotional, mental, spirituality a value. And here's the funny thing. We don't need to look in your eyes. What we have to do is look at your checkbook, your online account, your debts, the Toys R Us magazines. You know what that means? That means a couch, a car, a house, a dishwater, a stainless steel, a granite, a marble, a leather, or Egyptian cotton something, or the fast food receipts piling up the center console, believe it or not, may be feeding an emotionally, spiritually hungry place. And money, the way you spend it, tells the tale of your heart. That's why we don't like talking about it. The one question I hate and is hated from our oversight committee when I talk about money problems is, well, do you want somebody to look at your budget with you? No, I just want the money. <laughs> uh, and we're kind of struggling. No, th- well, let's sit down and look at your budget. No, I don't want you to look at my budget. Are you crazy? And for you, uh, Lord of the Rings fan, it's like, it's like, I look like Schmegel, Right. <laughs> But if they look at my money spending, they'll see me turn into Gollum because they will see all my precious. <laughs> they'll see what I really want You look at my checkbook and my accounts and my spending. You'll see all my fickle heart really wants. And and they will see my folly, my fallenness, my sin. And I don't want that. You don't really want that. But guess what? Good news sounds bad sometimes like this. The gospel is a golem revealing means by which God tells and shows and reveals and asks things of our money that reveals our value and what is true about each one of us. Somewhere in the ledger of our spending, there is something you and I are ashamed that we value. Because we know we're sinning in valuing. It. Now, for you bobos out there, you bohemian bourgeoisie, gentrifying New liberal southern Christian folk. I know you have a good story. A good bleeding heart liberal story behind every luxury that makes excuses for why you have so much or such an expensive thing. You know, again, this little game of humble wealth and spending and all shucks with the soft voice, this, again, Christian southern liberal, we ain't South Charlotte Gucciite stuff, it is nice sounding. But even you should not overlook things like the amount of savings in the amount, the amount of granite, the amount of polished hardwood, the money you spend to to get your kid in the right neighborhood to go to the right school, the amount of stocks and bonds and high-end van that's really safe, or it will last, or I got a good deal, or I could have gotten the the top-of-the-line Viking range with the stainless steel on four sides. But guess what? Oh, praise God, I got it only on three sides. Or, you know, I really love the city. It's not about real estate or those other homes. Or, or, or It's just it's a family thing. Man, please. That granite, that stainless steel, the nice redone hardwood floors. You ain't fooling me. It adds up at the bank. You got bank. You don't want to hear that. Maybe it's not on your fingers or around your neck like you accuse ghetto folk of being or on your teeth. But something is in your world that says, look at my heart's value. Look at who I really am. See my golemness, my greed. My desire for stuff to make me feel better. You know, it's funny. It's, it's, it's interesting how the classes work together because when folk go down to like Belmont to fix up homes or work for Habitat for Humanity or, or do any other kind of things, you know, again, here it comes. Man, why do you got cable? I don't have cable and I make a good salary. Now I'm going down and fixing their house up and they got leather furniture. I don't have no leather furniture. I'm using grandma's. I got my Rea poster, you know, all that kind of stuff. I found mine on the side of the street and fix it up like HGTV. Well, you know, hey, man, you can help fix my house up. And they got a gold chain like this big. And you're like, man, please. Don't you know that their obvious misspending? Yours is as obvious to them. But see, you don't need them to come to your house. But if they do stuff like, well, you know, we got savings, 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 my Lord, savings. <laughs> or it's five o'clock where your husband, he at work. What? He works 70 hours a week. Why he got to work 70 hours a week? Can y'all get by on 40? Sure. But we want more. It's obvious. Hope come to y'all. Y'all go to them. Whatever. Back and forth. It's obvious. Folk be like, man, oh, look at this house. Folk, no. That's why it's good to stay around your own group of people. Because if you get too eclectic, your stuff come on out, blah, will be all out there. You know, that's why our churches uh, they they like the monocultural method because they don't want the wrong folk. Because you don't want folk coming to your house going, whoo-wee! Especially Bobos, especially gentrifying folk. You want to look poor and you in the hood and you the first one there and you stayed through the gunshots and all that kind of stuff. Please, it ain't working. Folk coming in be like, man, this like cribs up in here. <laughs> but you know, you got an excuse because you you got stuff that will last a long time. I don't want to spend a lot of time here because we'll do more next week. But our spending and getting money also tells us what we don't value. Now, we look back at verse 8, it says justice and rights gets lost. The ones under you, you know. And, and then in verse 12, it says that the man who has a lot of wealth doesn't sleep. And then in verse 14, it talks about how he has all this money and misfortune comes and he has nothing to leave for his son. And, and, and it says that money tells a lot about your current values, but it points to what you and I don't value. Justice and mercy and rights and rest and even our own Health and family and God somewhere in money and spending shows what you don't value, whether you're poor or whether you're rich. Now here is what we may be discovering along with and in the words of the writer. You may be too young, like me, or ambitious and righteous to agree. Money makes us hurt. It makes us cringe in its discussion and revealing. And I'm telling you, when we talk about all that stuff we just talked about... I know, because I got a little analytical mind. Man, I hear that stuff, and I'm trying to justify it in my mind. Well, you know, he's not really talking about me. And you got, you got the stories, man. You got you got a volume on why you deserve to have all you got. You just, ugh, you know, and, and it goes crazy, but money does that. It's burdensome, and that's why the writer says in, in verse 12, it it does not give rest. It actually makes us suffer. Whether in its getting or keeping or giving or justifying why we got it, it hurts because we are trying to get ourselves we're trying to keep ourselves and we give it's like giving yourself it is like getting and keeping and giving blood that is slowly leaking away And you're trying to justify your very existence biggie smalls notorious big big papa i'm trying to give you all the names to see whether you know who i'm talking about junior mafia he has a song called more money more trouble and the chorus goes this way i don't know what they want from me It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. The more we talk about money, the more problems start coming out here. The writer says this is about getting, keeping, managing, and giving money, and I will lump it all together. If we we look at, at verse 10 here, it says whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. In other words, it never feeds what is deep within. But you work to have it. And then in verse 12, like I've mentioned before, it says that the man who the man who works hard sleeps at night, but the man who has the money can't sleep at night. And then let's look at verse 13 through 17. It says, I saw, I see, I've seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there is nothing left for him. Naked a man come from his mother womb and as he comes so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. This too is a grievous evil. As a man comes so he departs. And what does he gain since he toils for the wind? All his days he eats in darkness with great frustration, affliction and anger. Money comes money goes. And it's laborsome and it's hard to get. It's lots of hours, lots of sacrifice, lots of lots of failures, lots of empty promises, lots of driving past poor people in a neighborhood, hardening up on the way to the office so you don't have to think about it. Lots of failures and friend firings and takeovers and layoffs, lots of ring and you know what else kissing to get to the top. Lots of prayers that say, God, you understand, I can get this thing, He will forgive me later, and I will make it right when I find." or a lot of this. When I finally get enough money, I'll give back to the community. And on and on and on, and nothing but more trouble. More kids who don't see their parents, or, or, or see them not come through on what they promised. More po- poor folk. More sleepless night. More cutting corners. And then you die. And your mad alienated kid blows it all on ten years of undergrad or finding themselves when you would have settled, when they would have just settled on seeing you show up at five at least three times a week. Or your wife for you men, who will outlive you probably. And when you die after hoarding all that money, she's going to marry some guy who will take your insurance policy and buy that nice vacation and getaway That you were promising her each night as you slipped into bed at 8 or 9. And you'll be left, some of you, left with an empty bed. Because the person is trying to get what you want. Yes, granite and stainless steel and, and thin will go out of style and you will die. And it's an empty life because someone you depended on went looking for gold in the mountains, took you and your life and your dreams and invested them into the bottom of someone's pyramid. And you are the poor in this picture. You're always being shifted and moved around and used to keep the cycle going. You poor are the fiber, if you will, in the Phile Mignon society to be used to give relief to the rich's improper diet. Becoming simply the refuse of society's buffet. Now, if this is true, and this is the word of God, thanks a lot, old man, for writing this. You know, because it makes us have some choices. Let me tell you, you can forget it. You can move on and eat and be merry because tomorrow you die. You never check your values. They just destroy the fun or receive what you can't buy and get. (coughs) Here's the deal. Or you can get relief and rest from what the love of money, the stuff our hearts make our bodies bleed and suffer to have and pay for and long for. Now Let's look at verse 18 quickly here, what it says. He says in verse, let's start. Yeah, I hated all these things I had toiled for under the sun because, oh, you know what? Here I am. Verse 18. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink. And to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the, uh, under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. For this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. The use of money in the world says a lot of dead-end things about ourselves. And, and, And the writer is saying that the end of the matter is this. We need relief. We need rest in this area of our lives. We need the Lord to help us and show us and love us. And the text tells us how this is done by God. Verse 18 says, recognizing that, guess what? God made you. To be able to work and make money. And then in verse 19, that all that you have, God has given to you. You have not deserved it, though you've earned it. And then later in verse 19, to be to actually make us happy and work. And then it goes with verse 20. God will actually keep you happy. Now, th- this should sound familiar to you, because God's actions and hearts toward us and our money issues are the same actions that we sinfully seek when we value money. What am I saying? The way to properly value money is realizing and seeing and believing that while you and I value that, there is a God that values you. That there is a God that works hard to have you. That gives you out of his wealth. That keeps you like you try to keep up with your money. What and how is God going to help in this area? By communicating that you are his precious. That you are where he put his money, if you will. Now, okay, this may sound like the strangest journey about how to give that you and I may have ever been on in the church because I don't want to begin or inform you on some giving plan. You know it's coming. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to give a faith offering and God going to bless you. And you know, that's not where we're going to start. Because this is not about a plan. This is about a person. The right use of understanding and relief and rest and having and not having money or in giving and keeping it is in right relationship with God. What they with listen to the terms. A working, giving, loving, keeping God. And we will learn it comes through Jesus because Jesus is God's gift to us. He is God's working to earn us. He is God's toil and burden to save us from the futility that our money subjects us to in a fallen world. He is God keeping us and saving us like in the bank and calling us to be His precious investment and His precious people. You see, step one in the journey is the steps along the way in a world and a life and a heart like ours that realizes it is strained and broken and lost. It is a relationship with God and Jesus Christ where we are offered rest and relief with our money. See, God's direction in money is not primarily about how to get more money or how to give more money or how to be happy with the money we have. But according to His gift, Jesus, that He is happy and content and overjoyed and able to keep, one in the keep, and has shown His gladness with buying and having each one of us by the blood of Jesus. And we will better understand our world of money and giving only as we see and receive the glory of Jesus given for us. God buying us with His blood money. The blood of Jesus buying us relief and rest. Jesus said this in the New Testament. He said, The Old Testament, if you will, it testifies of me. And so, if we're going to get rest and relief and understanding about money, the thing that burdens and troubles us, and we have different views on, it's going to be looking at a text and seeing how Jesus frees us and gives us liberty in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Is a frustrating and burdensome and trying subject. Oh, we want to be like that man who eats and drinks and enjoys all he has and works hard and and enjoys even the things his money is able to buy him because, Lord, You give it to him as a gift. You keep him and You make his heart happy in all those things. Lord, we have not found that happiness. And we will not find it apart from Jesus. So, Lord, we pray, turn our lives and our hearts to Christ, the one who bought us and keeps us and saves us and loves us as God's own precious. Convince us of that as we go through this journey of money and giving. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.